Angie's List is now Angie, A-N-G-I, the nation's largest home services marketplace. And they're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project is, big or small, indoor or outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled professionals to get the job done well. That's what you want, right? I'm uh, thinking about building out my basement in my cabin. I've been perusing Angie, looking for just the right contractor to get it done the way my wife and I want it done. Now, Angie can help you find the best price for your project. Angie lets you request and compare quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. Angie has cost guides that tell you what others have paid for similar projects, both nationally and right in your neighborhood. That's important, right? You can do comparative shopping. Get started today at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I or download the app today. The app and the website are free to use. Angie.com or the Angie app. Go check it out today. Hello, America, and happy Tuesday. Happy New Year. Yes, we're in a new year, and what a way the new year has started. The vote for House Speaker, Republicans choosing their next leader, has twice thwarted Kevin McCarthy this afternoon from being Speaker. Two consecutive votes. McCarthy, the Californian Republican and longtime Republican leader, has been thwarted in his bid to be Speaker. The Voterama could go on for a while. There could be some backroom dealing that goes on. We're going to go to Nick Ballacy in just a few minutes. He'll give us the very latest of what's occurring on Capitol Hill. A dramatic day. Just to put this in perspective, it's been a century since a speaker's vote required a second vote. This one's going to require a third vote. A lot of extraordinary moments are going on in the forefront of this vote. What is going on here is there's a, a battle for the heart and soul of the Republican Party. There is a belief among a small but vocal part of the party that Kevin McCarthy can't create the sort of radical change that Americans were looking for when they put Republicans in charge of the Congress. And what's remarkable is that Jim Jordan gave a nominating speech after the first vote failure. So McCarthy loses the first vote by 19 votes. Jim Jordan goes in and wholeheartedly nominates Kevin McCarthy, and McCarthy loses again. We're going to get all that from our congressional correspondents at Just the News, Nick Ballacy, in just a few minutes. But we've got an incredible lineup today. We're going to cover everything today from the RNC chairman's battle, which, by the way, is the next big race after McCarthy is settled for the Republicans to decide who their leadership's going to be. Will it be Ronna McDaniel, or will it be our second guest for the day, uh, it, uh, Harmeet Dillon, the great lawyer from San Francisco, Republican committee woman and uh, champion of civil liberties, including fighting censorship all across this country for the last many years. Harmeet Dillon is going to join us in the second half of the show. Very excited. She can talk about her agenda. What's at stake here? We'll have a little football. Jake Beckett, former Super Bowl champion with the New England Patriots, great defensive football player. He is going to join us to talk about that horrific injury last night. Damar Hamlin from the Buffalo Bills collapses on the field after a hit, suffers cardiac arrest in critical condition. Jake Beckett, he knows what it's like to be in that field. He knows what it's like to be injured. He knows what it's like to see other players carried off the field with an injury. He's going to talk about all things NFL, including uh, the condition of Damar Hamlin and all of the great sportsmanship we saw last night. We got to see NFL players kneeling, not in protest, of the flag or the national anthem, but rather kneeling in prayer for the well-being of one of their comrades, Damar Hamlin. That was an amazing moment. Then the two coaches of the two teams getting together, Cincinnati Bengals and Buffalo Bills coaches, getting together and deciding, you know what? Life is more important than a game. We're not going to play the rest of this game today. We're going to stand down. And the NFL agreeing with that. And the NFL Players Association agreeing with that. A vote for life, a vote for compassion over some of the antics of football that we all care about. I'm a huge football fan. I, I can't stop watching football. I love football. But this was a moment uh, larger than football, and I think you got to see that last night. Well, Jake Beckett is going to be here to tell us about that. But our first guest is somebody who knows the FBI inside out. He's been watching our reporting here at Just the News. He's the former assistant director for criminal investigations at the FBI, Chris Swecker, one of the most cogent voices, like Kevin Brock, really someone that people really super trust inside and outside the FBI, in Congress, all around. He's here to talk about all things FBI, including 
the incredible work that FBI agents did on the front lines to solve the Idaho case, to come up with a suspect using genealogical data. Pretty savvy work there. Again, a reminder of something I say all the time. The majority of the rank and file do great work. They're not there for politics. But Chris Record does have a message for Director Ray. He does have a message for the FBI, and he's going to share it with us at the top of the show. That's going to be a very powerful interview. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, you don't want to miss this interview. Chris Swecker, former FBI Assistant Director, former Chief of the Criminal Division of the FBI. What's wrong with the FBI? Has it lost its independence? Have ideologues taken it over? Where are those ideologues pulling the puppet strings? Chris Wecker is going to give us a lowdown right after this commercial message. You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Chronic stress wreaks havoc on blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain. And you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings, right? Now the good news. The studied ingredients in Lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, help optimize metabolism, and keep your appetite under control. Now, if your life is a bit stressful like mine and you want to lose weight, add Lean to your healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Now get 15% off and free shipping at takelean.com. That's takelean.com and enter the promo code justnews15. That's the promo code justnews15 at takelean.com. One more time, takelean.com. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a healthcare provider. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote, it's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they've also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale, four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S forward slash Just News. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. You know, we talk a lot about the FBI every day on the show, the good things that the FBI does, and sometimes the frustrations people have with its leadership in Washington. Our next guest, one of the most cogent voices in the FBI community, the law enforcement community at large, former assistant director for the Criminal Investigation Division, and one of the real experts on pursuing crime. His name is Chris Wecker, and great to have him on the show. Chris, great to have you on the show today. Good to be on, John. I want to start with Idaho. Idaho in this murder is such an extraordinary story, and it really shows the strength of the FBI. When the FBI does something well, they really do it well. They, they crack this case, and it seems like this is the beginning of a much larger criminal case, isn't it? Yeah, you're spot on, John. This I was going to open with that and say this is what the FBI does well. You know, they, they used very complex uh, forensic genealogy to come up with the identity, and it's 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 they're the pioneers in this area. They did a cross country four day surveillance without getting burned. It sounds like with their uh, special surveillance teams, they assisted along the way. I think with most of the crime scene processing, so it's gonna you know it's gonna be done right, and and they're continuing to help help build the case. I'm not, I'm not saying they did this all alone, but they bring a certain level of expertise to the table. 
that most police departments, small to medium-sized police departments, just don't have. So good work here. And, and as you say, this is a fascinating case. We're going to study this case for a long time to come. And when you look at this with all the experience you've had, this feels like a case where we might learn about other involvement of this suspect, right? There seems to be some pointers and some indications that maybe they're looking at the suspect for other crimes. What's your gut tell you about this? Yeah, I think they should be looking. They should be scouring anywhere he's ever been for any other homicides or break-ins, you know, break-ins into homes and unusual thefts inside the homes and that sort of thing. People like this don't spontaneously combust one day and kill four people. There's a lead up to it. Most of the, the behavioral scientists will tell you that there, you know, there's an urge that develops like Ted Bundy. And he's a perfect specimen to study here in comparison to this case, because I think they're very similar. They have that urge and it just gets at some point, it get, becomes impossible to suppress and they, and they start killing. And I, I, I would be, I hate to say this, this sounds so, so grim, but I, I think, I don't think this is the first time he's ever killed. And I think they're probably scouring the area around Pennsylvania where he spent a lot of time. Bundy did that too. He, he killed and then he relocated probably two or three times. Amazing. Incredible work, though. The way the FBI put this together is absolutely a stunning, great example of the strength of the FBI. Now, you've been so powerful in taking on the FBI where it needs accountability. You took on Comey, you took on Strzok, you took on McCabe. You spoke out against lying under oath, which is what McCabe ultimately did. Chris Ray, he's at this extraordinary moment. House Republicans are going to take over. Jim Jordan's going to be the Judiciary Committee chairman. Is Chris Ray the right guy to be leading the FBI right now? Well, I don't want to, I don't want to dodge your question here. You know, I think Chris, uh, he, he is someone I will say in, in full disclosure that I consider a friend and I've been very critical of him. It's not in the culture of the FBI and even it carries through to your retirement to criticize the FBI and, and individuals in the FBI. However, what, what I can say is I think there's a, there's a cultural shift that started late in Mueller's term and then went, got into sort of full stride in Comey's term and is now being sort of perpetuated under Chris Ray's term. And that is that DOJ has basically taken over the FBI. You know, they, they were supposed to have some independence. Despite being a, a bureau under the Department of Justice, they are supposed to exercise some independence because they're the investigators. And they're the ones that, that come with the, with, no, you know, with the blinders on and conduct independent, objective investigation. That's why the director has a 10-year term. What I see is that it's basically a wholesale takeover by the Department of Justice, which is filled with political appointees at every top position. And, and then by, by extension, right into the administration. You see DOJ people at all the, you know, many of the top executive uh, positions inside the FBI now. You see people that have that made a career out of bouncing in and out of silk stocking law firms between the Department of Justice and, and these law firms. And I have to say, they are incredibly liberal in their politics. And that has now sort of taken over the FBI and, and they, they are inserting that ideology into their high profile investigations. There is a discussion that maybe we need a sort of shock moment and do a church-like committee where everybody steps back. You like that idea, don't you? I do. I spent some time in the FBI's legal uh, general counsel's office back in, in my day. They would drag agent attorneys back there kicking and screaming and make them spend two years. And I, and I handled many of those cases that stem from the church committee. And the church committee was a was a full inquiry into what were perceived to be some, some very serious abuses by the FBI in the domestic surveillance area in terms of watching U.S. citizens doing things involving U.S. citizens that were considered to be abuses of their power. And I think we've come full circle here when you see the, the, you know, the, the PTA parents being labeled as domestic terrorists. You see a political bent to, you know, the bare knuckles case, cases against Trump versus the kid gloves cases against Hillary Clinton. Um, McCabe, who was got, got a, completely got away with perjury three times. And, and the Hunter Biden case is probably the, the marquee case here in terms of what is going on. And, and I'm telling you, the agent, retired agent community and, and many agents inside the FBI on active duty 
are are saying this is this is needs to be looked at. It needs to be. You know, I'm not a big fan of congressional inquiries, but they need to shine some light on this. Chris, it's always an honor to have you on the show. Thank you for joining us today. We'll look forward to get you on more later in this year. Yeah, keep up the good work, John. Thank you, sir. Good to talk to you. You too. Take care. All right, folks, don't go anywhere. When we come back from the commercial break, Nick Ballasier, our congressional correspondent here at Justin, who's going to give us the very latest on the two humiliating defeats that Kevin McCarthy has endured today in the first two votes for Speaker. He's fallen short both times, even after Jim Jordan gave him a big boost. Keep an eye on that dynamic. A lot of interesting stuff right after the commercial break with our own congressional correspondent, Nick Ballasier. Hey, folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title in your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Wow, what an amazing interview with Mr. Schwecker. I'm still thinking about some of the things he said about the FBI and DOJ. But we've got to turn our attention to the big breaking story on Capitol Hill. We're very lucky. Joining us from the well, the Capitol right now is our great congressional correspondent, Nick Ballasey. Nick, bring us up to speed. Two votes. Kevin McCarthy fails as speaker two times. We haven't seen this in what a century, right? Really, we have not. I mean, it's, it's historic, and it really shows that the conservative wing of the House conference, they're willing to, you know, push for their demands. They had a list of rule changes they wanted done. They didn't get the majority of them adopted by the House GOP leadership. And we're seeing it play out on the floor in real time with these the two rounds of votes heading into the third round. They're, they see McCarthy as a establishment figure. He's been around a long time. They want something new. They want something fresh. And uh, I think well, I mean, we're seeing it play out. I don't know how it's going to end, uh, but it, it's historic. It really is. It is amazing. And I want to get into the concessions because some of the mainstream media is saying the Freedom Caucus got everything that it asked for. My understanding is that they haven't. They've gotten some things, but not as much as it is. So that leaves some room for negotiation. Are you hearing anybody talking about, hey, there could be a negotiated settlement? Or is this a battle of attrition where they just keep voting and voting and voting? I'm hearing that there could be some sort of outreach done uh, from the GOP leadership to the House Freedom Caucus. I was doing a lot of stories in the lead up to the end of this uh, Congress, and there were several rule changes they wanted. We've done a lot of reporting at JPN about the Holman rule, 
We've done a lot of reporting about the way they handle appropriations and that who sits on committees, how they're selecting the members who sit on certain committees. There's a whole list. And if, if uh, the listeners want to go on JTN and, and search my name, you'll see a lot of those reports. Uh, there's a whole list. And there are a lot of things that did not get adopted up until the last minute here. Apparently, there was a whole list of things the House Freedom Caucus wanted. I have to let, you know, they, they basically renewed their call for several things that they uh, were demanding, and the GOP leadership did not adopt many of those as well, and and that led to this vote uh, that we're seeing on the first and second ballot. Great dynamic. So both votes have turned out the same way. McCarthy falls 19 members in his own party short of being able to win. First vote, second vote, nothing changes. It's status quo. But in between, uh, Jim Jordan gets up and nominates McCarthy. He's one of the champions of the Freedom Caucus, in fact, one of its co-founders, he says, I think McCarthy's the guy. you got to do this. We've got to stop the Democrats. We can't live through this. He gives this unbelievably impassioned speech in favor of McCarthy. And then Matt Gates comes up and says, yeah, Jim Jordan was so good. Let's make him speaker. He'd be a lot better. And so Jordan ends up the nominee running against McCarthy, the man he just nominated for the job. What was it like when Jim Jordan was giving that speech? There seemed to be a lot of heads nodding on the Republican side, agreeing with Jordan and his presentation even. I know there there really was. And then at the end, toward the end, he said, and I'm supporting McCarthy. He kind of, you know, wrapped it up with that. But the beginning, it was a really strong speech filled with policy in terms of the oversight and, and the spending. And as you know, John, a lot of Republicans are not happy with the way, now mainly it was McConnell's issue here, but the way the Republicans in general handed that spending bill, which covers an entire year, and they actually raised domestic spending. They raised defense spending. And so Jordan talked about that. He said, we're not passing a bill like that again. And then he was talking about McCarthy. So even the Democrats picked up on that. Pete Aguilar, uh, a Democrat from California, nominated uh, uh, Jeffries right after that and said, you know, was, the, was Jim Jordan nominating himself or was he nominating McCarthy? And you could hear people laughing in the background. But I think it resonated, though, with the, with, uh, the conservatives, especially the uh, uh, members of the House Freedom Caucus, what Jordan was saying. And I was also thinking when you were talking, John, about uh, Scott Perry, uh, House Freedom Caucus chair, he put out a long list of, we reported on it at JTN, a long list of the demands that McCarthy rejected in the last, uh, the latest negotiations, the last round. So if readers want to check that out and, and listeners, if they could see the things that were not adopted, maybe McCarthy will come back to the table after two rounds of, of a voting here. That's the big question, right? What deal can be made here? I guess there's a couple of other dynamics. Democrats could vote present in a large enough number to shrink the majority that Kevin McCarthy got, because they were, right now the Democrats are enjoying this. I just saw Nancy Pelosi and Hakeem Jeffries slapping each other in the back laughing. I mean, this is great theater for them because the Republicans are on national TV unable to find a leader for themselves. If you had to guess, it sounds like we'll get a third, maybe even a fourth vote tonight if it goes that far. When does the negotiating start? Does it happen now? Does it happen a few hours? Do they try to go through a battle of several days of attrition? What's your sources telling you? I think there'll be some arm twisting on the floor since they're all still there in the chamber uh, talking in between the votes. I think there'll be some arm twisting there. But as far as concrete things that McCarthy, uh, you know, is being asked to support from the Freedom Caucus, that would have to be done at least between staffs, uh, staff members meeting behind the scenes have to be done face to face, member to member. So I think if there's a long break, I mean, like you said, if we go to three or four and there's still no leader decided, then there will be some face to face discussions, I think, uh, and also hard decisions made uh, by the staff members of these uh, uh, lawmakers. And I think maybe McCarthy will come back to the table and some of them, I know that the Freedom Caucus was not happy about earmarks, how many were in that legislation that just passed, that almost $2 trillion bill. That could be something maybe McCarthy uh, could, could concede. Uh, we'll, we'll see. But uh, this is not ending anytime soon, I don't think. Yeah, it's a pretty remarkable moment. And I want to ask about this. At some point earlier in the day, you had a great interview with one of the House Republicans who said, listen, if, if McCarthy keeps losing, it's going to be someone not on 
the current congressional staff. They're going to go outside. The speaker does not have to be a member of Congress, only position in Congress, and that's true. Are people talking about, hey, we might need to go out and find a Lee Zeldin, a Newt Gingrich? Donald Trump's name has come up a few times, I think, just as a, as a deference to him. But what is the conversations like about a third person, an outsider coming in and solving this problem? Yeah, that was uh, Brian Fitzpatrick, congressman from Pennsylvania. He's uh, the co-chair of the House Problem Solvers Caucus and seems to have McCarthy's ear because he was talking about McCarthy's mindset heading into today. They were speaking this morning, heading into the actual vote. And he was saying he doesn't think, and whether his view is a broad one or not, I'm still trying to gauge, but his view is that, you know, there's no consensus candidate within the GOP caucus that could win the support of those 19 uh, conservative members who are voting against McCarthy again and again, but could also get the main, the rest of the caucus, uh, the rest of the conference support as well, unless you look outside of the conference. So he was saying that out front before any voting even started. So I think that's become a very real scenario. If, if there's a third round, a fourth round, and McCarthy's still not getting enough votes, where do they go? I don't think they nominate another member of Congress because the same thing could play out again. Uh, I think they may go outside. And that, for, uh, for the media, right, that's going to be a, an amazing story, unprecedented. I don't think that's ever happened in history. That's right. No, it, it, uh, it is an extraordinary moment. I guess we'll have to just keep watching tonight. Are there any outsiders' name? I know you got to get back and run because there's going to be a third vote shortly. Any outsiders' names that come up where people say, oh, they could get both sides of the party together. They could get the country club Republicans, establishment Republicans, and the Freedom Caucus MAGA firsters, the Matt Gates types together. Is there any names that have come up? There was some chatter around the RNC election uh, when, when uh, Zeldin be- uh, bowed out of that. There was some chatter that, hey, maybe he's holding out as a backup, an alternate speaker, if things don't work out for McCarthy. And of course, on TV, he was asked about this uh, at the end of an interview, and he was like, no, 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 I'm, I'm focused on, you know, my future after, you know, not running for uh, uh, the chairmanship. I'm focused on other things. And he just got done the governor's race in New York. Uh, but he did not, he, but he didn't say emphatically no. So maybe that will become a realistic situation where they go to somebody like Azeldin as a backup. He was a member of Congress for a long time. He did pretty well in the New York gubernatorial race uh, for a Republican in New York. So someone like that might be a consensus candidate. Unless McCarthy can use the time he's got in between these votes and his staff to uh, go back to the table with the Freedom Caucus and maybe uh, give them a few of those things that they want. You know, we'll have to see. We'll be on top of it at JTN, as always. Yeah, well, we're lucky to have you on the front lines reporting for us. You've done a great job all day today. People have been watching Just the News know everything that's going on minute by minute because of your great coverage, Nick. We're so grateful for you to join us. Head back in the chamber. More drama ahead of us. But uh, thanks for joining us, Nick. Thank you, John. Thanks for having me on. Great honor to have you on. Thanks for the good work. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, Harmeet Dillon, her campaign for RNC chairman, the other battle for Republican leadership going on in the wings of the McCarthy fight right after these commercial messages. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. We've been talking a lot on this show that the moment of status quo in Washington is over, that 
Americans, not only Republicans, but all Americans are demanding real change, not status quo, not incrementalism. Well, our next guest, she's always on the front line of disrupting and making a difference in this country. She's now a candidate for the RNC chairwoman challenging Rhonda McDaniel. And she is also one of the great lawyers who have filed a lot of the big free speech lawsuits that are making a difference in our lives today. She is Harmeet Dillon. Harmeet, great to have you on the show. Thanks, John. Love to be here. We love all the work you're doing. When you announced and you threw your hat in the ring for RNC chair, you put out a really clear vision for the party. Very detailed, very substantive. Tell us a little bit about the main pillars of your campaign. Well, thank you, John. So I feel like we've been defining how we win uh, in the RNC with things like how many doors we knocked, uh, how many miles we walked. Not about actually winning elections. And so the base of our party has morphed over the years, and we're not we're not changing to reflect that. The way that elections are run in our country have changed, and we haven't adapted. So I feel like we need to change in order to keep up. So some of my top points that I'd like to do are, I'd like to decentralize the RNC out of D.C. Uh, we, we probably still have to have an office in D.C., but I want to move some of our operations to battleground states where we need to win and then hire workers there from all different backgrounds. And then we'd have the b- double benefit of, People from America who we need to get in touch with and who are close to those communities working for us on the ground. We'd also get economies of efficiency of paying people, of you know, non-DC salaries. And we would also uh, get a much bigger talent pool than what we have in DC because a lot of Americans who are very talented don't want to live inside the Beltway. And I'm frankly one of them. Um, <laughs> we have to be chasing every single ballot like the Democrats do. Okay. And I don't mean... Uh, you know, putting out expensive ads that consultants get 15% on. Right. I mean, hiring workers, hustling ballots into the ballot boxes on the first day of voting in every state. Much as I don't like very early voting and I don't like uh, mail balloting, it's a fact. It's a fact that's here to stay in many states. And when we aren't competing on that, we're expecting our voters to maybe show up on Election Day. We're losing. What happened in Arizona was terrible management of an election is an example of that but it also happened in nevada with snowstorm it happens all over the place we're just going to lose unless we we hustle and get those ballots in and and it's doable we just need to build the personnel infrastructure to do that one of my passions as you mentioned john is lawfare we must be engaging not only dollar for dollar in the defensive litigation against the mark eliases and his ilk but we must be engaging in offensive litigation wherever possible to make sure that where cha- laws have been changed yep. in violation of constitutional norms or other principles, we change them back. We advance the ball forward. We ensure election integrity by cleaning up the voter rolls and enforcing our existing laws. That's going to require an economic investment and a year-round effort, not just one that's for the cameras or around a presidential cycle. Um, we are way behind in technology, John. It's remarkable. Uh, we are not isn't using it? the most. Yeah. I mean, I mean, just look at look at look at uh, Twitter for example. So, Elon Musk does, did some of the, the same things I would do. He came in and he said, "Okay, if you're not gung ho about our objectives here, please leave. Here's your severance." He he has is running Twitter with a fraction of the woke idiotic staff in San Francisco that used to be there, and he's doing it better. And they're making innovations using technology to, for example, show us the productivity of each of our tweets. Um, how, how popular is your tweet? Uh, changing, adding new features all the time. When was the last time we added any features to our walk apps or our ways of contacting voters? Answer, because they have monopolies with some cozy contracting at the RNC, we don't. And so when you don't have competitive bidding, you don't have innovation, you don't have technological advancements. When you make people work in D.C. and have, you know, kind of a toxic work environment, you don't get the top people to work for you. We can change that at, at under my RNC. We must do a better job with articulating strong conservative principles vis-a-vis the Democrats. We have allowed Democrats, starting with Russia collusion hoax, yep. to impeachment one, to impeachment two, They've to January 6th committee, yep. and everything in between. They have created the narrative, and we are plaintively speaking on television, playing catch-up and reaction. No. We need to be unified and strong in our voices. I mean, even amongst the House, the Senate, and the RNC, everyone's singing from a different playbook. It's ridiculous. We have to get strong. And in a normal world where we were articulating our viewpoints, our, our message is so much more appealing, John, than what the Democrats have to offer. 
but we don't hear about it. We don't talk about our, our platform and our principles, and we really need to do that. So those are some of the basics. Um, a couple more things I want to add that are very important that I've learned since I started this campaign. We waste donor dollars pretty badly and regularly at the RNC, and that is not just, I don't mean putting money into people's pockets. I mean not negotiating contracts the way that we should, not really keeping good tabs like I do as a business person and like I do at my nonprofit. So we need to raise money efficiently, lower overhead, and spend money more efficiently. And all of those things are very doable. I've got a lot of experts in the field who are ready to help me. We just need the opportunity to do that and get the 168 members of the RNC to vote for change at the RNC. And that's the thing. It's that we're in a moment now. This is kind of, I think this moment has been 10 years in the oven baking. People are tired of status quo or incremental change. They want real change. They want things that actually align with the values of the party rather than yielding all the time to the Democrats' values at the end of the day. Kevin McCarthy is facing this extraordinary vote today. Mitch McConnell facing a lot of questions about how much spending he's allowed on his watch. Is this the year, does this effort that, you know, is symbolized by today's McCarthy vote, does it carry through the party for some time? This is really a battle for the heart and soul of the party, isn't it? It sure is. I mean, I I was a young Reagan-era Republican. I wasn't able to vote for Ronald Reagan. I was a Dartmouth student for Jack Kemp in 1988. So that's my age range. Our party talked constantly about fiscal responsibility, balanced budget. I mean, Jack even talked about the gold standard. Um, you know, we really talked about these fiscal uh, conservatism issues. And now you see senators blithely voting for a $1.7 trillion omnibus bill that includes massive spending for protecting the border of a foreign country where they wouldn't pony up the money to protect the border of our own country uh, and with, with catastrophic results for our country. So we must return our party to a party of fiscal conservatism. We must return our party, frankly. I mean, not even return our party, but make our party the party of free speech. One of the most frustrating things for me, John, that preceded a lot of my litigation in this arena is that when we had the House, the Senate, and the White House in 2017, 2018, Kevin McCarthy and Jim Jordan and others, they made good speeches in Congress about these issues. They grilled these CEOs. Then they didn't do anything about it to make sure that we had freedom on the Internet. And the result is our federal government has openly spied and suppressed our speech. We're just like, I don't think we've even begun to know the magnitude of that. I know I've been on that list of top 13 so-called election disinformation people. I know I was suppressed, and I know a lot of my friends were as well. And this is a battle I continue to fight in the courts, and we really have to have conservative leaders who insist on constitutional norms being respected. I don't think we have that. I think that's one of the reasons why you're seeing this extraordinary leadership challenge is some of the younger members of the um, of the uh, of the of the congressional leadership are are demanding change. They're demanding that the, the thing that the, the the principles that got them elected that they are able to enact those principles in Congress, and that's going to require some leadership shakeup there potentially. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting poll out today. Your vision is actually the vision of Americans. It appears that a majority of Americans want change at the RNC. Talk a little bit about the Trafalgar poll and how important is at this moment of the debate. Well, the Trafalgar, Trafalgar poll, I'm going to pull it up for a second. It shows that uh, there's overwhelming support for change at the RNC. And I'm just taking a look at the numbers here. 73% of Republican voters responding to a survey conducted by the Convention of Stakes Action Group, a conservative group, say the party should elect someone to replace Rana later this month. And I'm the only RNC member who's running, by the way, so I assume that's the support of me. I'm going to take it as such. Six <laughs> percent think she deserves a fourth term. Boy, those are some pretty bad numbers. And 21 percent say they aren't sure. Well, all I have to say to that is what's wrong with you people who aren't sure? <laughs> I mean, maybe six percent are political consultants who are making money off the RNC, but not sure. Boy, with our, our track record, I mean, look, this is nothing personal, but the reality is that after three cycles where we lost the House, the Senate, and the White House, and we're reduced to claiming that we knocked on more doors, but we didn't win the elections. I'm sorry. You don't get an A for effort in politics. It's a zero-sum game. Either we win or we lose. And we have been losing. And I was describing this to one of my members in a red state who thinks everything is hunky-dory in his state. And I said, you may think it's great in your state, except what happens when you get these judges uh, that come to your state from the federal government who are going to be in your state for decades because they have life tenure and Mitch McConnell couldn't stop him. 
Mitch McConnell couldn't stop him because Mitch McConnell spent millions of dollars on an R on R race in Alaska, which did not need to be spent to save Lisa Murkowski out of some sense of loyalty or some deal. Instead of helping elect Blake Masters or one of the other people who could have helped us keep that 50-50 or even win a majority in the in the Senate. He hasn't he hasn't had a meaningful leadership challenge in a decade. And at the RNC, we haven't had a leadership race in 12 years. And if Rana were to win over all these odds, all these complaints, all these statistics, she'd be the longest serving uh, United States party head since the 1850s. Does, do we deserve that? I think we deserve a change and an opportunity to actually win. Yeah, it's, it's an amazing moment. And I want to ask a little bit about Mitch McConnell because he's been around in leadership. It'll be 20 years ago this day that he became whip. And so he's been in leadership for 20 consecutive years as, as either a leader or whip. When he started in 2003, the national debt was at $6.7 trillion. Today it is nearing $32 trillion, which means 80% of the debt accumulated in our entire 246-year history has occurred in his 20 years as a leader. Is he someone that you think should be replaced? Absolutely. I think I think that time had come, and if there had been a little bit more guts in, in the Senate, they would have made their move. It is inexcusable that the party of fiscal conservatism and balanced budgets and, and really being honest with the American people and supposedly low taxes are spending like worse than drunken sailors. They're spending like Democrats. And it's totally unacceptable. And I think that there's just no cost for it. That's why these people are, I mean, look at the number of United States Republican senators who voted for this. There's no accountability. No one's going to hold them accountable. Um, and that's, that's a broken system. And part of that is not just Mitch McConnell. It's the power of incumbency. It's the power of incumbency that I'm fighting right now at the RNC. If you hand out enough goodies to people, make enough promises, appoint people to the heads of committees, promise to send a certain amount of support to their you know, campaign and their state, you can buy off people's support. It's a fact. It's a fact in Congress. It's a fact in the United States Senate. It's a, people don't like me saying that. They think it's very rude. But it's a fact in politics. And the people are like, oh, Harmeet, you know, I'm so shocked that you're accusing people of, uh, you know, making deals in politics. We all know it happens. It's true. But the deal should be on behalf of the American people, not on behalf of the personal interests of political operatives, cronies, and what have you. And so I was never a fan of term limits, but I'm beginning to wonder if we might not, if, if we don't see any dynamism and change in, in, in organically in our political leadership, we might need to talk about that. Yeah, such an amazing moment. You have been fighting for civil liberties across many different platforms, whether it's in the university where free speech has been stifled, whether it's against the FBI and, and censorship. The FBI keeps having these extraordinary moments where it's doing things that its charter doesn't seem to suggest is part of its work, censoring Americans' opinions on Twitter, for instance. Meanwhile, things like the guy in New York who commits this machete attack, he's been on their radar. They don't roll him up until after he commits a heinous crime. Is the FBI in need of more than a reform? I mean, would you? where are you in the FBI? Should it be reformed? Should it be disbanded? Do you like a church committee uh, concept of going and investigating every aspect of it? What do you think is the right solution? Well, first, we need different people leading Congress. I have no trust in the current leadership that's, you know, been making noises and hearings and not doing anything for some time. At a minimum, we need a, a lot of people to be fired, heads to roll, uh, investigations and prosecutions. And that hasn't happened. Despite all the excesses that we saw during the Russia collusion hoax, people lying to Congress, people lying to the, you know, investigators and inspector general's offices. Nobody has really been held accountable. Even the guy who lost his bar license for a few months is back in the bar now. And, and so I think it is a thoroughly rotten and, 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 and I don't even, I mean, there, look, to be clear, there are some great patriots who joined the FBI oh, to further that, I mean, they're good people in it. The yeah. leadership, I think, is severely compromised. And there are enough of these people in the rank and file who blithely went along with spying on American citizens when that's, in my opinion, unconstitutional and not part of their charter, I think there needs to be a really wholesale cleansing and right-sizing of the, RN, uh, of the, of the FBI. But beyond that, I mean, my, my talking about this issue dates back to my, my youth. I mean, uh, I, after 9-11, 
Republicans and Democrats, Nancy Pelosi and all these people alike, voted for the Patriot Act. Those of us in the civil liberties community, I was then in my probably my early 30s. Right. We knew that this meant that Americans were going to be spied upon by our security services in the name of national security. And I, I opposed the Patriot Act back then. And that's exactly what happened. And they were only, like, I think, on the ACLU back then. And I, you know, um, there was a congressman from Georgia, Barr, and myself. And there were a few other Republicans, handful of us, who said this is a civil liberties crisis. And yet we went along with it. And, and I think most Republicans, if they're being honest today, would say, you know, that really was the beginning of the surveillance state. And, and we're, we're, why the FBI feels comfortable calling American parents terrorists if they go to school board meetings and complain, it all dates back to that. This whole language of people being radicalized and all yeah. this stuff and, and using this language that we use about um, uh, Middle Eastern terrorists, using it about American citizens, it dates back to that. So we really need to return our party to the party of the Constitution, individual liberties, and small government. And I, I would like to see that happen at the RNC. I would like to see Congress and the new congressional leadership listen to what uh, the people in our country are saying, and please return to our core principles in the Republican Party. I pledge to do that. There are a lot of people rooting for that very big change. Last question for you. There's an extraordinary moment right now where uh, Congressman-elect, sworn in now, uh, George Santos is out there, clearly lied his way into his election. Your thoughts on what the Republican Party should do with a George Santos? Um, I'd like to see all the pathological liars in Congress and in the White House kicked out. <laughs> that could be I, a large. That could be a large that. number. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, look, I'm not trying to make excuses yeah. for the charlatan. Right. He's really no different than Ilhan Omar or yeah. Elizabeth Warren or Joe Biden, who tells lies on a daily basis. That's right. So, if if we're going to apply those standards, I'm in favor of it. Let's do it across the across board. Across the board. Yeah, we starting with story. the longest serving liars. That would be Joe Biden. Elizabeth Warren, and then we can go from there. Yeah, we had a fun story laying out all those the other day, and people were reading it for days because it's so true. They keep getting away with, with impunity, and it's time for maybe some accountability on that front as well. Harmeet, it is always an honor to have you on this show. You're doing such great work. We're watching real closely with the RNC. What's the most important dynamic to be watching in the next few days after the McCarthy vote at the RNC? It seems like that could actually slingshot into the RNC. Yeah, a lot of people are loyal to Rada because of both friendship and, frankly, you know, economic support for right. their state. Right. But what I'm going to be pointing out to people is donors of the RNC are totally fed up. Small dollar donors and big dollar donors. And that's reflected in this poll and in other places. Sure and is. how are we going to do the business of the RNC when the people who we rely on to fund our efforts are fed up? Yep. It is only a leadership change that can turn that around. I offer that. I feel so strongly about it that I'm willing to step away from the law firm and the nonprofit that are my beloved uh, things that I do every day and, and turn this turn this thing around. The good news is there are a lot of members of the RNC who are with me and a lot of donors and a lot of people who are willing to pledge their support. If there is a leadership change, if there is no leadership change, yep. boy, it's going to be a tough two years. And I do not feel good about winning in 2024 without a strong RNC. It's really important that we have some changes there. Yeah, that's so important. You're exactly right. Harmi, great honor to have you on. We're going to follow you all the way through the next few weeks on this historic journey that you're making. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much. All right, folks, don't go anywhere. When we come back, a great NFL player, a Super Bowl champion, Jake Beckett, formerly of the New England Patriots. He's going to join us to talk about that horrific event last night in the Buffalo Bills-Cincinnati Bengals game. DeMar Hamlin collapsing on the field in cardiac arrest, revived by the brave men and women on the training staff and the ambulance team. They got him to the hospital, giving him a fighting chance to survive. He's in critical condition. Jake Beckett's going to be here to tell us about what he witnessed as a player, as a alumni of the NFL, as a champion of freedom. There's some great moments last night in camaraderie and goodness. Yes, NFL players kneeled last night, but not in protest of the flag, rather in prayer for their fallen colleague. We're going to have all of that with Jake Beckett right after this. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. 
Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. Everybody's still reeling and considering that extraordinary moment last night in the NFL game. DeMar Hamlin in critical condition, collapsing after a collision on the football field. Everybody's thoughts and prayers are with him. We've got a very special guest. He's a Super Bowl champion, one of the great NFL players of the past. Jake Beckett is here with us. Jake, great to have you on the show for the first time. Yeah, thanks for having me on. You were an amazing player. You were out in that field. You saw a lot of things. Your reaction when you saw what happened last night on the field? Well, along with everyone who was watching and millions of Americans who are closely following the story, my, my heart goes out to Kamar Hamlin, his, his family, his teammates were all praying for him and with him. You know, I, I played football a long time. I grew up around the game. My grandfather, dad, and uncle all played college and right. professional football. I played college and professional football, and I've never seen anything like uh, what we witnessed last night. It was uh, it was scary uh, for any for any athlete, uh, any football player. You know, football is a violent game. Um, you know, we're uh, one of my old Patriots coaches used to say, you know, we the players were were modern day gladiators, um, and, and we know the risks when we go out there and play. But um, you know, no matter no matter what you've seen or done or or, or risk that you. Um, you know, consider taking when you strap up that chin strap, um, you know, you don't really anticipate uh, ever seeing uh, or experiencing something like that last night. So it was devastating. Um, I, I really want to applaud uh, those two head coaches uh, for stepping up and, and making what I thought was a very uh, mature and bold decision. It to, was. Um, you know, yeah, to, to go ahead and, and really just take charge. Um, you know, it was an unprecedented situation. You could tell that the NFL, the referees, the officials were kind of reeling. They didn't know what to do. It was a crucial game in terms of the, the, the end of year standings. And, um, you know, there, there is this notion of the, the show goes on, you know, people want to, they want to keep playing and move right. on. That, that's kind of like what, uh, you know, football players are, are coached to do is just kind of move the ball up five yards and continue. But um, I, I think those two head coaches made a very courageous decision to, um, come together and, and just kind of postpone the game because um, you know, I think it really could have endangered other players uh, just being so distracted after what they exactly. just Exactly. Yeah, no. Putting life and safety in, in front of the competition, I think, was a very powerful statement. And also the camaraderie on the field. I mean, those guys are fighting hard. These are two heavyweight contenders are going to be in the playoffs and probably meeting again. And the moment this happens, you just see the consolation, the humanity. It was such an amazing thing to see all that carry in the foot, field. People forget uh, beyond the competition, there's this extraordinary bond of NFL players. Your reaction, just how the players treated each other during that moment. No, that, that's exactly right. It was such a poignant moment uh, to see both of those teams uh, on their knees in prayer uh, yeah. united. Um, you know, I, I just thought that last night really showed uh, in the midst of a devastating circumstance, it really showed, uh, you know, some of the best qualities of American sports. Um, you know, we, we saw the scenes of the players uh, united, uh, praying for their fallen brother on the field. Uh, you, you saw fans, uh, you know, even the Cincinnati Bengals fans uh, go stand in vigil yes. outside the hospital late last night. Um, you, you saw, I'm sure you saw what was reported, uh, the over a million dollars that were raised uh, for Kamar's charity, that that toy drive, uh, you know that that really just shows, uh, you know, really what sports can be in this country at its best. It's a it's a unifying thing uh, in our culture. Uh, you know, in, in in today's culture and society, things are so divisive. Uh, you know, and, and um, you know, sports has not been uh, has not really been spared from the culture wars. I've spoken out very extensively yeah. on that, um, but it but it was encouraging to see. Um, you know, uh, Americans, when, when, when things are get tough, 
um, you know, we, we go to God, we go to the Lord, we, we, we take a knee, uh, and we pray for one of our fallen. And that was really inspiring to see last night. It, it really was. It's a reminder that, of the bond that all these players share. The last 10 years, there's been a lot more focus on player safety. Everybody knows the risk when you go in, but it seems as though the focal point on making sure that players leave the game as healthy as they can is really growing. Your thought on that, because you were right now, I, I think your career really crossed into that moment where those discussions were finally evolving. Do you feel good about the league's focus on safety and, wh- and where it's evolved over the last 10 years? Yeah, it's really interesting. You know, there's a there's a very delicate balance to be struck because, you know, a lot of players, I was a defensive player. Um, I'll, I'll be the first to tell you that a lot of the rule changes have been frustrating. Yep. Um, you know, there, there's been a lot of confusion and a lot of growing pains on, um, you know, the targeting rule. And, you know, especially in the NFL, the way the game is officiated from a defensive player standpoint can be very frustrating. But, you know, ultimately, you know, as, as Coach Bill Belichick, who was my head coach with the Newland Patriots, you know, he's an old defensive guy, an old sure Bill Parcells guy. There's no one tougher than Bill Belichick, but he would always tell us that when it comes to the game of football, there's nothing more important than the health and safety of the players. And, um, you know, I, I think ultimately, um, you know, last night, uh, it, it, despite the, you know, the, the devastating scene, um, you know, I, I think that was a, uh, it, it was a positive um, in terms of just the league's response. Uh, those two head coaches, uh, their response, the players' response. Um, so you know, it, it's it's a tough circumstance. Um, you know, and I, I think hopefully the game will continue to evolve in a positive way. I mean, football is a violent game. I mean, it's not a contact sport; it's a collision sport. I think everyone understands that. Um, but I, I do think there is a balance to be struck between uh, you know competitive, uh, you know, tough football, uh, and then just reckless violence. Yeah, there was one of those moments where people reconsidered a situation over the weekend. The Liberty Bowl, Arkansas, there was a guy who was called for targeting afterwards. I think they reversed that. That made you feel good, too, right? That they can look back and say, hey, sometimes we got to let the guys just be guys and play good football. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially you've got to consider the situation. I mean, I'm glad you brought up that game. Those are my Arkansas Razorbacks. That's right. On the on the last on the on the last play of the game, um, you know, potentially. Um, you know, there was a player who was stopped short of the goal line. And, um, you know, that's the that's the kind of thing where the, you know, you, you have to go back and be able to Monday morning quarterback some of those things because not only was that player, um, you know, potentially, um, you know, he, he was he was suspended for what would have been the first half of the first game of the 2023 season, which to me is just kind of ridiculous. I mean, that's, um, you, you know, that would be, a, um, you know, trying to adjudicate something in the, the, the next season that happened in the prior season. Um, so, you know, there, there's got to be a balance. Um, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, as the, as the years go on and uh, players and teams and officials and coaches and programs in the collegiate and professional realm, you know, when, when they get more comfortable with these rules changes, um, you know, I, I think we'll get to a, um, you know, a, a point that's, that's more stable, but um, there's, there's going to be growing pains. There have been, you know, it's, it's still, I, I, I talk, I've seen former teammates and, um, you know, in, in the college and professional coaching ranks and, you know, to this day, you know, people still don't understand, uh, you know, how, how, how targeting is called and how the yeah. game is officiated in, in certain ways. So yeah, there, there's still a lot, there, there still remains some confusion. You served your country in the military. There was this extraordinary moment on New Year's Eve where a guy that's been on the FBI's terrorism radar for a while goes out, attacks some NYT FPD officers. A lot of concern that maybe we're taking our eye off the ball a little bit on terrorism. Your thoughts about what played out in Times Square on on the 31st? Well, again, that was devastating. I was actually in New York City on New Year's Eve. I was a few blocks away from that when it it happened. Um, You know, and it's it just goes to show you that you know, I spoke about this um, publicly the next morning. Um, you know, we, we, we have these, these, these mass gathering events uh, in, in many of our major cities. Um, and, you know, these, these people who wish to do harm to the innocent, they know that in most cases, these are going to be gun free areas. Um, you know, these are going to be areas where individual citizens are soft targets. Um, and, you know, that's just not a sustainable path. Um, you know, we, we've seen that happen in our schools. Uh, we've seen it happen in mass gathering places uh, all over this country and all over the world. Um, and it just, it frustrates me because, look, I, I come from Arkansas, a very uh, deep red state. We take the Second Amendment very seriously here. And, um, you know, it's not lost on the citizens of Arkansas that, you know, hey, 
Um, you know, we're, we're very capable of protecting and defending ourselves uh, with lethal force if necessary. And, and more importantly, criminals know that too. Um, you know, they know that, hey, you know, if I, if I go into, um, you know, a, a heavily populated area in Arkansas, you know, like just say a Razorback football game, for instance, you right. know, there, there, there's liable to be some, some citizens uh, who are concealed carrying and who were able to defend themselves. Um, but not so in some of these blue cities and some of these blue states where the, the political leaders, uh, you know, have gone so far to disarm law abiding citizens. And, you know, it's counterintuitive. You know, it's, it's, it's hard for some leftists to understand that, you know, more guns can actually, uh, you know, bring about a safer, uh, safer society. But that's just, you know, e- even though it might be too complicated for them to understand, doesn't make it untrue. Yeah, great point. Man, we need more truth. Actually, that's one of the things we struggle with in the media today. Not enough truth. A lot of uh, a lot of fiction posing as truth. Um, you you have this extraordinary career. You're an amazing football player, Super Bowl champ. And you do the military. You're running for office. You have a political sense. As you step back and look at the country today, at the moment it finds itself in with the McCarthy vote going on right now, the fight over the RNC chairwoman's race a few right. weeks later, a lot of frustration with Senate leader um, McConnell and, and some of the spending deals he's made. Are Republicans and conservatives at an important moment in history? And what do you think will happen with that moment? I, I truly believe we are at a crossroads within the Republican Party. Um, you know, look, I, I ran for U.S. Senate this past cycle, as yeah, you know. And, right. Um, you know, there was a there was a sharp divide within the state of Arkansas and the GOP. Um, you know, we we were unsuccessful uh, in my race. But, you know, 42 percent of Republican primary voters uh, you know, voted against a, a 20 plus year incumbent with every endorsement in the book. And, uh, you're seeing that play out nationwide. And I think it's really frustrating for a lot of conservatives and America first citizens. Um, you know, they see a, a party that is completely, uh, protected from any consequences when it comes to, uh, you know, when, when they, when they disrespect and betray their own base. I mean, it's just, you know, we've been talking about sports. I mean, imagine if there was a college or professional football coach. You know, who went two and ten every single year, uh, but at the end of every season, he got a raise and a contract extension. Yeah. That's kind of what Republican leadership exactly. is exactly. Like. You know, no, no, the, the 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 country keeps lurching further and further to the left. We go further and further off the rails, but the same people continue to lead us within the party. The 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 Mitch McConnells, the Kevin McCarthy's, the Ron McDaniel's. You know, it's just totally unacceptable, and you know, I, I think the voters are sick and tired of it, and. You know, I, I just uh, we, we've got to we've got to figure out a way, you know, within our movement to to clear a path for for younger, uh, more energetic, more courageous voices uh, to stand forth. Because if that doesn't happen, uh, then the party is going to it's going to split itself in two. And, you know, I, I think that outcome is inevitable uh, if we just continue along this this status quo path and protecting the the the, the oligarchs, if you will, within our own party instead of responding to the will of the people. Yeah, such a great point and uh, wise words as uh, a lot of conservatives are making some pretty big decisions over these next few weeks. Jake, it's always an honor to have you on the show. It's always great to see you out in the public. I think people, I, 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 but sometimes I'll watch you on Fox and you're saying something and I just see all the heads in the nation nodding in agreement. What a common sense way to approach <laughs> things. I think a lot of people are excited about your future in politics after all you've accomplished elsewhere in your career. I want to thank you for joining us today and helping us walk through some of these incredible moments. And we'll have you back on real soon. Thanks for having me. Take care. Thanks, my friend. God bless you. All right, folks, we're going to take yeah, a quick bro. commercial break. We'll be back to wrap things up in just a few seconds. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. 
Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. Hey, don't go anywhere tonight. Keep an eye on Just the News. We've got you covered day and night with all of the drama playing out on Capitol Hill. Kevin McCarthy, Jim Jordan, the race for House Speaker, what will happen next? A lot of people think that the Jim Jordan speech in favor of Kevin McCarthy might actually have gotten more people excited about Jim Jordan being Speaker. We'll see how that plays out over the next several hours. A lot of interesting stuff today. Again, I want to go back to where we started this conversation earlier in the show. Chris Swecker, former FBI Assistant Director, what did he say? He said the FBI has lost its independence, the very independence that Congress gave it. As an independent law enforcement agency, it has become subservient to the whims of liberal ideologues running the DOJ. Just think about that, how powerful a word that is when it comes from one of the FBI's own G-men. That was a big interview today, of course, and a lot of fun stuff with our good friend, Harmy Dillon. A lot to talk about there as well today. All right, folks, we're going to wrap it up. Stay, keep your eye on justthenews.com all night long. We're going to have news alerts. We're going to have coverage. Nick Ballacy, Nick Divas is with us. We've got a whole all-star team covering this through the night into tomorrow. A lot of exciting things. We'll have it covered day in and day out. All right. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of John Solomon Reports. I don't know if I'll have a speaker of the house, but we'll definitely have a podcast tomorrow. Check us out in the morning. We'll be back. Until then, God bless you and God bless this extraordinary country of the United States. You've been listening to John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. It's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast, Furthermore, with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the dynamic Just the News Podcast Network. On this fresh and engaging podcast, I delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist, exploring the furthermore of every story. But this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill news commentary or politically charged program. I interview a diverse range of guests, including business leaders, entertainers, musicians, educators, expert politicians, and many influential figures from both the United States and around the world. So why not make your Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays a little more interesting? Tune in on your preferred podcast platform and discover furthermore with Amanda Head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button and be sure to download the latest episodes. I can't wait to have you join me on this exciting journey. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events, and you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe.